on God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. I'll tell you, it's been a long, it's been a long week. Uh, I'm glad to be back here. I know that we still have some people sick, so I'm going to pray for them this morning. But I'm glad that we're here. And I, I was, I wasn't feeling good last weekend, and I'm, we're back good in our house. But um, I know it's kind of going around right now, and I'm just thankful. You, you, you really. Um, don't know how much you appreciate something or really miss something until you don't have it anymore or until you've uh, been gone. And so it was, it was a long week not seeing you guys, but I'm glad to be here today. Uh, so let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll have our welcoming time. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, that we're here today, Lord, and feeling better and healthy and uh, back, Lord, to worshiping you together as brothers and sisters, Lord, in Christ and you. And uh, so, Lord, I, I pray this morning for our ones that are watching online that still aren't feeling good, that uh, aren't here. I know a lot, a lot of people in our church and just community that have been sick, uh, Lord. So I pray for them today. I pray that they get to feeling better and get back on the mend. And uh, Lord, be with us today, Lord, as we lift our voices and song to you, as we read your word together, Lord, as we challenge you, challenge us in your word, Lord, to not be of this world, but to be in you. And so, Lord, uh, in all things, Lord, we love you today. We worship you and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Take a couple of minutes and welcome everyone today.
All right. I want to. You may be seated. I'm going to ask uh, Alan if he would come forward this morning. We are going to start our announcements off with a certificate of completion on discipleship. Alan has been discipling someone uh, for quite a while now, and they just completed. And I'm going to let him talk about discipleship and all that good stuff. Alrighty. Thanks, sir. Mike, come up. Yeah, I think he's got it on. Okay. Mike, come on up here. We've uh, completed this task, haven't we, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> we, we started, I, I can't remember when we started. It's been a good while, but we, we went through all kinds of uh, moves, <laughs> sicknesses. <laughs> broken legs and everything else <laughs> but anyway we've made it and uh, it's exciting it was exciting to disciple Mike and uh, we got a lot in common he's a he's a truck driver and I'm a truck driver and we found ourselves chasing rabbits down <laughs> roads in different places you know that we'd been so anyway we had a had a good time at it and also I want to announce some of the guys in, in the church had come to me and asked about being discipled. And I'd talked to them about starting a discipleship program for guys that, you know, that work. And uh, sometimes it's hard to get to church or to, to a, a night or something when we can do it. Well, we're going to start a program at 4.30 on Sunday evenings. And we will start next week, provided, you know, everybody's well and we have men's group. But it'll be on at 4.30 on uh, Sunday evenings, and it'll be uh, downstairs before the men's group. And myself and uh, Denny's going to help, and Max, on occasion, we'll all three uh, be working with this as time goes by. And it'll be offered as a class, you know, at 4.30 Sunday evening through the winter period. And we'll cover the 14 lessons one time a year in, in the fall and winter. And so anybody interested in being discipled, show up at 4.30 and we'll get started. So I'm excited about that. And uh, anyway, Mike, have you got anything you want to say well i just want to thank you and it was enjoyable and i want to thank jeff because a lot of people don't know me and jeff started but we just couldn't get our schedules together and you know but i want to thank you guys i want to thank my church family for none of us can do this alone so Amen. thank you that's right all right Thank you, guys. Congratulations. So discipleship, for maybe you're here this morning, you don't know what that is. We have a, a, a book that has 14 lessons in it. It usually takes longer than 14 weeks, but it's uh, 14 different lessons that talk about the foundational uh, principles of, of being a follower of Christ. And so what we do is the ladies will meet with ladies, men will meet with men, and we go through this, sometimes couples with couples, and we go through it together. And the principle here is 
Who is your Paul and who is your Timothy? So Paul, one of the missions of the church and, and as leaders in the church and as other Christians is to make disciples. Jesus gives us that command in Matthew chapter 28 to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I've commanded you. So that's what discipleship is. It's teaching somebody what God's commands are. It's, it's teaching them how, what does it look like to be a follower of Christ? And so maybe you, you've been a Christian for 20 or 30 years. You've been a follower of Christ for a long time, but you've never went through that. You've never had somebody that's kind of been a mentor to you, um, and you would like to do that? Come see us. Come see us. Alan and those guys are going to be teaching that class on, um, on Sunday afternoons at 430 uh, ladies, come see us. We have numerous uh, women in the congregation that do discipleship. Uh, so who, who do you have in your life that is discipling you, that you can talk to, ask who is this from? I have people in my life that, are, are, that do that for me. Uh, who is your Paul? And then who is your Timothy? Who are you teaching things of God to? So that's the principle of discipleship and why we do it. Um, here's a couple other announcements. So Max wasn't feeling good this morning, uh, so we're, we'll definitely pray for Max. So no men's Bible study tonight. So no men's Bible study tonight. Uh, we usually have that at 6 o'clock on Sunday night. So no men's Bible study this evening because of that. Today, right after morning service, we're going to have a very short business meeting. It won't take that long. we got some updates for you. need some things we need to talk about uh, right after church this morning. Uh, and then I know you've seen this and heard about it on Facebook, chocolate-covered strawberries. They're doing that again this year. Tammy is doing that. If you would like to help with that, please let her know. They are taking orders uh, for chocolate-covered strawberries. They're going to be dipping them on February 12th at 8 a.m. They're $15 a dozen, um, and, and all of the proceeds for that are going into missions. We're going we're to collect it for missions this year. So uh, if you want to help her with that, Tammy, raise your hand, wave at everybody. I think she's already got like 30 dozen orders or something like that. What's the goal? 300, you said? Goal's 300 dozen. So that's a lot of strawberries. <laughs> so if you want to help or you want something you want to buy for, for someone for uh, Valentine's Day or just to eat, whatever you want to do, uh, get with Tammy and, and order those. Young adult activities. I know you got some stuff coming up, so go ahead and, and announce that. Good morning. Um, so next Saturday, Miss Brenda Cook has um, wanted to host our young adult gathering for the month. And so we are going to meet at the Niangua Community Building. And there's a food competition of either teams of two, um, a charcuterie board, if I butcher that, I'm sorry, or a sweet or savory dip. So a little fun. Um, and then there's a testimony and games and prizes as well. So if you have any questions, me, Dave, or Brenda, and we can't wait to see you there. Perfect, good. We also, in February, uh, are going to be doing a Youth Sunday. So get ready for that. Youth Sunday, uh, Joel and Shelly, I'll be rolling out Youth Sunday again, where we'll have Youth Sunday and then a meal after morning service. Also for Wednesday nights, I know we, we closed the last week. I'm ready to get back into our Wednesday night study. Um, we have Wednesday night services. We have dinner at 6 o'clock together every Wednesday night. And then we have a children's department that has kids' classes. We have our youth department. Joel and Shelly lead that, who have youth classes. 
uh, adults meet up here uh, in the sanctuary. We're kind of going through the foundations of the faith right now. Um, we do also just to let you know we've ordered a couple of more mics so that people, it's one complaint I've heard is sometimes you can't hear each other in here when we're going through that class. So we've ordered a couple more wireless mics uh, for that. But come on Wednesday night, dinner at 6 o'clock, and then class starts at 6.45, ends at 7.45. So uh, I'd love to see you Wednesday night for that. Anything else that I forgot this morning as far as announcements go? Okay, let's enter our time of worship. If you would stand with me this morning, we're going to collect up our morning offering and then we'll uh, have a worship time before we dig into God's word together this morning. So bow with me as we bless that. Lord Jesus, again, Lord, we come uh, today, Lord, and we love you. And this is our opportunity, God, to, to enter our time of worship uh, in this service today with you, Lord, that we can lift our voices in song. We can give you our best, God, uh, in our giving today. And so, Lord, I, I pray for that. I pray that it will further your kingdom, that it will lost people will be saved, the church will be advanced, Lord, your gospel will be preached. And in all things, Lord, we love you, we honor you, and we worship you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.
Thank you, guys. All right, our uh, children, the kids second grade and below, if they would like to go down to Children's Church, they can do that this morning. If you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. Please remain standing, if you would, to honor God's Word as we read it together. 1 John 2, 
15 through 17. 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 17. It says this, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I I thank you, Lord, for your word this week, uh, God, and, and as we work through this, and as I've studied it and looked at it, uh, Lord, there is a very profound challenge and statement here that is made, and I pray, Lord, that we have an understanding of it. Uh, I, I pray this morning, Lord, that um, we are a body that is separated for you, that we're not a part of this world, and uh, Lord, I pray we have an understanding of what that means and, and what you're trying to communicate here today uh, to us. And uh, so, Lord, as we, we study this, I, I pray that we open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. Lord, if we need to be convicted in areas that we are of the world, Lord, convict us. Encourage us to stand for truth uh, in a lost and fallen world. And God, in all things, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So it's been uh, a few weeks, but uh, I am absolutely excited to get back into 1 John. Um, I like preaching through books. I, I, I think it's a good thing because you can't skip over uh, tough subjects. I mean, you have to cover everything that's there. Uh, and, and in our text this morning, it's kind of a tough, tough subject. It's a tough statement that, that we, we see here. Uh, and we're told not to love the world. And if you do love the world... Then the love of the Father is not in you. Now when you read that at first glance or at first thought, you can think, man, this appears like a major contradiction in Scripture. And I want to make sure we have an understanding of this because we we know, we believe that Scripture is without error. It doesn't contradict contradict itself at all. There's no no errors in it. So how do we reconcile these verses uh, in 1 John 2 with Let's say the verse that everybody knows. I think most uh, non-believers know this verse. You you hear about it all the time. John 3.16. And what does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So in one verse you say that God loves the world, and then in another verse it says... We're not supposed to love the world. We're, so what, it has to be an explanation, right? And I want to start with that, with this explanation, um, because there has to be an explanation, and there, there is. We know that Scripture is not going to contradict itself, that God's Word is without error, without fault, and, and that's foundational Christian doctrine that you have to believe about God's Word. So uh, in our Wednesday night class a couple of weeks ago, uh, we went over that we, we learned about the word begotten. We actually looked at John 3.16 and we talked about the word begotten. And we talked about that it had two different meanings in Scripture. Same word, but two different contexts, two different meanings. And many words in Greek have different meanings and explanations. And the same is the, the same way in our language. In fact, the example that we talked about uh, a couple of Wednesday nights ago was if I was to ask you what is a ball, what is a ball, you would probably say, well, it's something that you play with or kick around or pass or shoot. Uh, it, it's like a toy. And I could answer you and say, no, it's not at all. That's something, a ball is something you dress up for, that you go and you dance at, and there's music. 
Well, it's the same word, spelled the same, but obviously two different meanings, two different meanings. So it's the same thing uh, with this in Scripture. It has two totally separate meanings, and this occurs. And so one other thing that we have to be very, very careful of when we're reading Scripture, that we keep it in the context of what was being said and how it was being said. Many times in Scripture, uh, we can easily take things out of context and apply things to ourselves that shouldn't be applied to us. Uh, an example of that is Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11, where Scripture says, I know the plans that I have for you, to, declares the Lord, plans for not evil but to prosper. Um, well, a, a lot of people take that verse and they love to apply it to themselves and they'll say, well, God has a wonderful plan for me. Well, that was not how what was written. Jeremiah chapter 29 said that that was written by Jeremiah to the exiled Jews that were taken away to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. Obviously, that wasn't pertaining to us. So, uh, And even in, in the New Testament, you can look and think about Jeremiah 29, 11 and see that 11 out of the 12 disciples of Jesus were executed for their faith. They were tortured and executed for their faith. So could Jeremiah 29, 11 apply to them? Not at all. Not at all. But now what does God's plan have for us? It, it has to do with heaven. God's plan is that we will one day not have any pain, not any sorrow. We will spend all eternity in heaven. Is that what they were talking about in Jeremiah 29, 11? No. So a lot of times when you're reading scripture, you have to read the chapter before, the chapter after, to keep in context what they're talking about. And so as we do that today, the, the word world in scripture is used multiple times, but it has different meanings in scripture. So I want to make sure we get the right meaning down for the world here in the context of 1 John chapter 2. Here's some, here's some different meanings for world in scripture. I want to start with that. Seems pretty basic, but it's important. The first one, the way world is used in scripture, is to mean the earth or like a physical universe, the physical universe or the earth. This is how it's used in scripture. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 it says this, and I'm going to read some of these. You can look them up if you want, or you can just listen on some of these. Hebrews 1-2 says, But in the last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. So he's talking about the physical earth, right? John 13-1 says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart, out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So it's talking about, again, leaving the world physical universe. Here's the second way it's used in Scripture. And this is how it's used in 1 John chapter 2. It's talking about the humanistic system of the world that is at war with God. Matthew 18, 7 says this, Woe to the world for temptations to sin. For it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one whom the temptation comes. 1 John 15, 9 says, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. 1 John 4, 5 says, They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. That's the context of talking about a humanistic system. That's the context that he's talking about in 1 John chapter 2. It's not talking about a physical earth. It's, it's, it's talking about 
the humanistic system that is at war with God. Here's the other way it's used, just to cover all the bases here. The word world is used in scripture to talk about the people of the world. That's what John 3.16 is talking about. It's talking about the people of the world. 1 John 4.9 is also about the people. When it says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. It's talking about the people of the world. Sent Jesus to the people of the world. So we as, as followers of Christ, what are we called to do? We're called to love the people of the world. We are absolutely called to, to love the people of the world and care for them. Romans 13, 8 says that. Owe to no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. 1 Peter 1, says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. So now, I know I've shared a whole lot of verses with you, but what does that mean for 1 John chapter 2? Well, in the text this morning, it says we're told not to love the world. It's not giving us a mandate to hate people. That's not telling us that we should hate people that are lost or people that slander us. It's not talking about the people of the world. So churches, uh, I, I know you've probably all heard of the, and I've used the term Baptist very loosely here, but Westboro Baptist Church in Kansas that goes to funerals and does protests and, and spreads a message of hate. That is not what we're called to do. We're not called to hate people. We're, we're called to show the love of Christ to people, to, to share the truth with them. So the world in our text, what's it referring to then? It is referring to the world's corrupt value system. It's referring to the value system. So with that in mind, I want to reread this again. 1 John 2, 15 and 17. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So you see there's a contrast there. There's a contrast from being in the world or going along with the world's corrupt system and being a follower of Christ who is abiding in Christ, abiding in God, doing his will. How do you do God's will? Well, first you have to be in Christ. So there's, there's clearly a separation there. So why are we called to be separate? It brings up some questions. Why as followers of Jesus does he warn us to not love the world systems? Why are we commanded to be separate from the world systems? Well, the, the first answer, the first point I want to give you this morning is that Satan is the God of this world. And that God is a little g. Scripture tells us that. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Second Corinthians 4, 
1 through 4. It says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, and you notice the God is lower G there. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So who is in charge of this world? Who is the God of this world? Satan is. Satan is. Because of Adam and Eve's sin, sin and death entered a perfect world that God had created. Now it's corrupt. Now it's a corrupt system because of sin. And what is Satan doing? He's going all over the earth looking for people to devour. He's creating systems that will devour people. We see that in Scripture. Scripture commands us in 1 Peter 5.8. It says, be sober-minded. What does that mean? Understand the gospel. Don't be clouded about who Jesus is. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. In fact, if you remember in the book of Job, in the book of Job, when it opens, God asks Satan, what have you been doing? Satan, I'm paraphrasing, but go back and read. He says, what have you been doing? Satan goes, I've been traveling across the earth, here and there, looking at people. And what does God say? Have you considered my servant Job? But the context is Satan is looking to devour he is looking to devour. And his systems, this corrupt system, he is in charge of it. And we're supposed to be separate from that. When Jesus is being tempted by Satan, we see a picture of some of the authority that Satan has over the world systems. Turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Verses 8 and 9. This is one of the temptations of Jesus. It says, Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. How could Satan give him the kingdoms of the world if he wasn't in control and in charge of them? Now ultimately, Satan has no authority over God. Right, But these corrupt evil systems, these corrupt systems of the world, he is, actually, he is over, has authority over them. And, and verse 9, and he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone Satan for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. You notice Satan tries to get Jesus into the corrupt world systems. I'll give them to you. And what does Jesus respond with? Only worship the Lord your God. Remember that. So Satan absolutely has authority in this world. He is the God of evil, of sin, of corruption. That's a little g. Make sure we get that right. Satan tempted Jesus with the same thing that he will tempt us with today. With our world systems. Idolatry. Idolatry. Making anything else a God in your life that will take the place of where the Lord Jesus Christ should be. And he will use these, wor these worldly systems. And in our text, in 1 John chapter 2, 
It details exactly what Satan's uh, system promotes. It, it lists three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. You know that every sin imaginable, every sin can be categorized into one of those three categories. Every single sin, one of those three evils. So because Satan is the god of this world, because he is controlling the world's systems, the world, what does it do? It often applauds sin. It often promotes sin. You see this on TV. Hollywood is one of the most corrupt, evil things in our country. It just really is. It encourages us to envy sinners. It's a, there's a constant theme when you turn on the TV, when you hear what's fed out of the world. It's a constant, constant theme of promoting unbiblical things. Sinful behavior. It, it, constantly encouraging you to lust with your eyes. Encouraging you to applaud sin that scripture clearly teaches is wrong. I mean, if I'm just going to speak plain facts this morning, you can't turn on the TV anymore and watch a show coming out of Hollywood without seeing unbiblical relationships and unbiblical things. You just can't do it. People living in open sin and rebellion against God with their boyfriend or girlfriend playing what I call playing house. It conditions our society. What does that do? What is Satan constantly bombarding us with? Constantly, even as believers, where we become conditioned to it's not that bad anymore. Constantly bombarding people. Constantly with these, with these horrible, unbiblical relationships. It keeps bombarding us, so we become conditioned that it's not really bad. God is clear in his word that we should not be engaging in any kind of relationship outside the confines of marriage. He's very clear in that. But here, here in Hollywood and here in the world system says, oh, just do what makes you happy. Whatever will make you happy. The grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Whatever will make you happy. And people living in open marriages. That's, a, that's literally a deal now. That people will live in an open marriage. Where you're married but you can just go do whatever you want with anybody else. Very evil things. And Hollywood promotes that. Scripture teaches something different guys. Hebrews 13.4 says let marriage be held in honor among all. And let, marriage, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. But that's something that's hammered on Hollywood all the time. Just live how you want to live. Do what you want to do. Just, it's all good. It's all, just be happy. It's all good. Here's the other thing on this. And, and, and this is just absolute. I read some articles on this this week. And there's a reason why it's being promoted. Why does Hollywood and the world so promote homosexuality? Why is that? You know, I read, I read this. You know the Gallup, Gallup poll? They took a poll and they asked Americans, and the question they asked was this, how, how, what percentage of our population do you believe identifies themselves as LGBTQ? What percentage of the population? Like 80% of Americans answered that 25% of our population is, identifies as LGBTQ. That's what they answered. Guess what the actual number is though? The actual number is like 
Now, why in the world would people think that the number is actually 25, so high? Why would they think that? Because that's what's getting promoted. That's how we are getting conditioned and being pushed by Hollywood because what's on TV. Because of what's being fed to our kids in, in this progressive, liberal agenda, which goes against Scripture. Right? This is what Scripture says about it. Turn to Romans chapter 1. It's important that you mark these verses it just is, and have these conversations with your kids. Because I know what society is telling them. Society is saying, and the world is saying, love who you want to love. Love who you want to love. Marry who you want to marry. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what it says. That's not what God promotes. Romans 1, 26 and 27 it says this, for this reason, and, and I encourage you to read the whole chapter of Romans chapter 1. But it says, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For women exchanged natural relations with those that are contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Let's keep reading. And since they did not see fit, see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, Though they know God's righteous degree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but get this, but give approval to those who practice them. It's evil and sinful if we give approval to things that God's word says is wrong. So we as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ should be separate from this evil corruption of the world that Satan is in charge of. You know what something else Hollywood promotes? Idolatry. And that's what it all goes back to. It all goes back to idolatry. Just get that new house. Make yourself a God. Do what you want to do. Make yourself the God. This world system that we see today is morally bankrupt and corrupt. And it's anti-God. It's anti-scripture. This is what God says. Turn to Exodus chapter 20. This is one of the earliest commandments that he gives his people, the nation of Israel. Exodus 20, 3 through 6. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on children to the third and fourth generation to those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commands." He says, I don't want you to have any other God before me. That's exactly what the world's evil schemes want to promote. Idolatry. You love who you want to love. 
And you know, you know the biggest idol, the biggest idol that is in our country, there's two of them, honestly. One is self, worship of self. You worship yourself and live how you want to live. And the other one is an idol that is not in scripture, that, but he, he, they make an idol out of them named Jesus. But it's not the Jesus of scripture. They create a false Jesus that is okay with how they want to live their life and what they want to do. And they worship that, and it's idolatry. Listen, if you don't have the right Jesus, if you don't have the Jesus of the Bible, then you don't have saving faith. You're dead in your sins. you got to make sure you have the right Jesus. And, and it's the Jesus that the Scripture talks about. That the Jesus that died so you don't have to live in sin and death and follow a corrupt, evil system. We clearly see that God wants us to worship him only. Nothing else. Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 says that when we are practicing worldly desires, that we're, we're, when we are living in the world, we're committing idolatry. It's Colossians 3 5. It says this. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. That's not talking about the physical earth. That's talking about the world's corrupt schemes. That's talking about Satan's hold on your life, on sin. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And then he gives examples. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So he lists these sins and he says, if this is what you're doing... Put it to death because it's earthly. It leads to death. It's idolatry. You're worshiping something else. That's a, and in the context of Romans chapter 1, if you read all of it in Romans chapter 1, that's exactly what he's talking about. Although they had the knowledge that there was a God that was instinctively put in their hearts, they decided to worship other things. And the worship of other things led into all of these vile sins. That's idolatry. We have to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan is the God of this world. And his desire is that we are of the world. Because if you're of the world, then you're not of Christ. And the love of God doesn't reside in you. When we are of this world, we're practicing idolatry. If you're of the world... if Listen, if, if you are okay with the things of the world... If you stand arm in arm with people that are living worldly and you promote it, you're practicing idolatry. Listen, we have to stand for the truth. Any time now, I think more than any time in our history, we are being bombarded with Satan to live in worldly schemes. You know, if you do any digging on the history of our country and some of our founding fathers and what they stood for, a lot of them were strong Christian men that promoted the Lord Jesus Christ. And the further and further we have gotten away from that, where now, what do we promote? Worldliness. And so many people that call themselves Christians stand arm in arm with things of the world. When we are called to be separate, Satan is the God of this world and his desire is for us to be in the world. And to make sure the church. Get the church a part of the world. 
Because if the church is, is supporting things of a world system, they're not supporting things of Christ. All right, here's the second point. I'm, I'll get through this a lot quicker, okay? Actually, I, I want to tell you, I divided this into two sermons. I told our elders, that's so many notes. And I'm like, well, I don't want to preach for an hour and a half. So I'm going to divide this into two sermons. So this is part one this week, okay? In Christ, we're supposed to be separate from the world. When we're in Christ, now we're separate from the world. Isaiah 55, 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So forsake the way of the world. Listen, when we are followers of Christ, you forsake the way of the world. And now our thoughts about the world now change. Because what, what do you want to filter everything through now? You say that when Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, now you want to filter everything through His Word. How I raise my children. How I love my wife. How I, how I work. What, what things I support. What things I will give money to. Who I vote for. All of those things are now filtered through this when you're a follower of Christ. Everything should be filtered through this, through this word. Everything should be filtered through that. See, Jesus warns us. He tells us in Matthew 6, 24, he says you can't serve two masters. Because what happens? You, you're devoted to one and you despise the other. In the context of the verse, he says, you can't serve God and money. What is money a picture of? It's a picture of a corrupt, evil, worldly system. You can't serve two gods. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. The love of money and the love of things of this world is from Satan. It's from Satan. It's sinful. It's evil. In Christ, we're separated from that. Now, when you're in Christ, you don't think about the world. You know that the world is passing away. Listen, I, 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 I love thinking about business and, and the business world and stuff. I think about that. I, I like thinking about stuff like that. But it is minuscule. It means nothing. Nothing when we die and spend an eternity. It just means nothing. My favorite verse. You guys know what my favorite. I haven't quoted in a while. I feel like I need to today. Mark 8, 36. For what does it profit a man if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? You know what the world Jesus is talking about? He's talking about the evil corrupt system. He's saying, what does it profit you if you gain everything that they say is important, but yet lose your own soul? It doesn't profit you anything. But what does he say? Matthew 6, What are we supposed to do? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. As Christians... As followers of Christ, our focus 
should be on following the Lord Jesus Christ with everything we've got. Giving our best, not our least. Our best. We're giving him our best. Why? Not to earn salvation, but because you know what he did for us on the cross? He gave us his best. He died for us. He died for us. I'm going to ask our worship team to come today as we close. Just want to do a quick review on this, and we're going to we're going to get into some more of this next week again um, on 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 the world. But I want to do a quick review. Satan is absolutely the little G God of this world. There is temptation by him to live a life of this world, to engage in worldly behavior, to promote things that are worldly. My question on this, before we have an invitation, are there things in your life that Satan has control over? Things in your life that you're giving into the world on? You know, I love that we serve a God that allows us to get down on our knees and humble ourselves, and he forgives us. We serve an amazing God. And in Christ, we're separate from the world. Are you separate Are you in Christ this morning? Have you professed him as your Lord and Savior? I want to make sure you understand what that means. Because you have sinned, there is a punishment for that sin. Scripture says for the wages of sin is death. It's eternal death, eternal separation from God. But God, because of his love and his mercy and his grace, made a way for you to be forgiven. Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. God in flesh lived a perfect life. Went to the cross and our sins were put on him. Do you believe that? If you believe that, then you profess that with your mouth. You you tell people that. You profess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And you believe in that. Scripture says you're saved. If you've done that, you you need to profess people, tell people that. Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you confess to your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you'll be saved. For in the, with, with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Have you done that? I pray this morning that you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, I love people out there. We have to love people that are, that are living worldly, that don't know Christ. We have to share the truth with them. We have to share what this this says. We have to share the truth. And we can't, church, be infiltrated by the world. Because if we are infiltrated by the world, we no longer have a church. We're just of the world. And there's no point in coming. We wouldn't have a Savior. We have to be of Christ. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. If you need to come, you can. I'll pray with you. You can pray by yourself. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, this morning for your word. The challenge, the, the, the command of the world says you can't be in the world and of me. And if we are of the world, that we're not of you. That is a warning. That's a warning this morning. So I pray, Lord, today that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, today, Lord, your Holy Spirit convicts them that they're in great need of you as their Savior. Lord, I pray for our church. I pray for as we leave here and we go into this world that is corrupt and sinful, that we stand on the truth boldly of what your word says.
not shy, backing away from conversations because we'll be labeled as haters or whatever the world wants to say. But we stand on the truth of who you are and what your word says. And we don't falter from that. In all things, God, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray.
All right, I want to thank you guys for coming today. I, I want to pray for our, our uh, folks that are still sick, and I know um, we have several, and, and Hudson started another round of chemo today, so let's pray for him. Here's the benediction. Um, I thought it was fitting for as we leave here today. Philippians 1, 27 and 28 says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign of, to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Standing firm for what we know is right in the spirit. I pray that you have boldness and firmness to stand for the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and his word as you leave and go out into this world uh, this week. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, this morning again that we could come and worship you, Lord, and to, to look at your word. And Lord, I pray today as we leave here that we are making a huge impact in our community, Lord, standing for the truth of who you are, loving people, sharing the truth with people, sharing the good news of who you are and what you did about sin and how people can be forgiven, justified. And so, Lord, I, I pray as a church that we, we Lord, stand for that and, and share that truth. God, in all things, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray, amen. You are dismissed. Business meeting in about 10 minutes, guys.